High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. And turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 26. I know what time it is. We're going to move rather quickly this morning. I Two weeks ago, I shared a message, and basically I'm going to complete that message uh, this morning. We started, and again, it's a part of our series, Ordinary to Extraordinary. How many of you know that God wants to make something extraordinary out of your life? And a lot of people are content with just living ordinary lives, but I'm here to declare to you and announce to you that God doesn't want you to live just an ordinary life. He wants to live you, uh, to, for you to live an extraordinary life. He wants to do extraordinary things through you. God wants to do things through your life that will blow other people's minds and your mind also. And I will tell you, I, as I look and see what God has even done in my own life, I thank God because, uh, to be honest with you, whenever we even first started in ministry, I never dreamed of doing most everything that I'm doing today. But how many of you know that God has a plan that he will begin to work out within your life, and it's always greater than your plan? God's plan is always greater than your plan. It's always bigger than your plan. And God will do something extraordinary out of your life. Hear this. You don't have to be an extraordinary individual, but he will take an ordinary person and make something extraordinary out of them. You know, it's amazing whenever you look at yourself, just look at somebody and say, you know what you were made out of? Come on, tell them. Do you know what you were made out of? Tell them this. You were made out of dirt. <laughs> How many know there's nothing extraordinary about dirt? But God takes nothing, praise the Lord. God takes nothing and he makes something extraordinary out of it. So God takes dirt and he makes a man. And then God takes a rib out of the side of man. And hear this, there's nothing extraordinary about one rib out of the side of man. But let me tell you, he made the greatest creation that he ever made whenever he made woman. Men, this was a wonderful time for you to score some points. Um, so I'm going to give you one more opportunity. God made the most beautiful, his masterpiece creation whenever he created woman. How many of you men believe that? Started with a rib. Started with a rib. Nothing, nothing great about your rib, right? Nothing even really great about males, you know? But I'm telling you what, God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do things even better. I'm going to take something ordinary and I'm going to make something extraordinary out of it. So God always loves taking the ordinary and making something extraordinary out of it because he doesn't want us to be able to beat ourselves on the chest and say, look what I have done. I think many times... Please understand how I say this. I thank God for America. How many of you glad you live in America? Do you glad? How many are thankful for this nation? Don't we live in a wonderful nation? Travel outside the nation a little bit and you'll lift your hands the moment that you get back here. I remember the first time I traveled to the Caribbean. You know, you think about the Caribbean as, you know, this place of paradise. And I remember traveling down to Trinidad to minister. And you got to understand when you're going there to minister, it's not the same as being in a resort. Okay. And uh, things are, it's a little more rough. Okay. And so we got there and it had wonderful ministry. It was a great time. But, you know, they would take, and we were there for about five days, and I wanted a hamburger. And, I, you know, they took me to a place to get me a hamburger, and I don't even know what kind of meat that was on that thing. 
because it was nothing like any kind of hamburger I ever had the entire time I've lived in the United States. And then they took me by some farms and I looked out there and I said, that's probably what it was. Whatever that beast was out there, that's probably what my hamburger was made out of. The wildebeest that they've imported you know, from Africa or something. And so, you know, but I, I ate the hamburger, but I said all that to say this. I flew back into Miami. You know what the first thing I wanted to do was eat a Burger King hamburger. I was looking for a Burger King in the Miami airport because I wanted a real hamburger. You may not even think that's a real hamburger, but compared to what I had been eating, it was wonderful. They were serving me pork and beans and tomato for breakfast. I said, what kind of breakfast is this? You come back in the United States and you want to get on your knees and kiss the dirt and say, thank God for the USA. Amen? Amen? I don't even know what that had to do with, but that sure was good. Praise the Lord. But, you know, the reality is God takes things that are very ordinary and makes something very extraordinary out of it. And so we see here in 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things. Everybody say foolish things. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So once again, we see in this passage of scripture, Paul is pointing out that the people that God anoints, the people that God calls, they don't have to be anything extraordinary. God takes just ordinary people. God takes the base things. God takes the weak things. God takes the despised things. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn your life around. Because you're willing to put your life in my hands, I will make something extraordinary out of your life. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad of that today? That God can make something extraordinary out of your life. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you came from, regardless of how much money you might have or may have had or don't have have, understand this, God will do something extraordinary through you if you would just allow him to do so. Amen. So God has always chosen ordinary people to display his power in the earth. Abraham was a herdsman. He became the father of faith. David was a shepherd. He became the greatest king of Israel. Peter, James, and John, they were stinky fishermen, and they became the closest and greatest disciples of Jesus. Amen. God takes those who have little to no ability, like Gideon. We taught on that about four or five weeks ago. Gideon, he's the weakest of all. He's the weakest in his, he's, he's, he's a part of the weakest tribe. He's a part of the weakest family. He's a part of the weakest clan. And he's the weakest of the weakest. That's what he tells the angel of the Lord. And so God takes those that are the weakest. God takes the ones that are the most despised. He takes the down and outers. He takes the ones that have absolutely nothing. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do something with you. And I'm going to make something extraordinary out of you. And I'm going to flow through you in ways that others have forfeited because they thought that they were all that in a bag of potato chips to start out with. You know, one of the first things, to be, the first principles for being used of the Lord is you have to realize that you are absolutely nothing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
As long as you think that you're everything, understand this, you'll never be able to do anything in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. As long as you think that you are everything, you'll never be able to do anything in the kingdom of God. You have to come to a point to where you realize that you're absolutely nothing. You think about the apostle Paul who said, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I'm a Benjamin, Benjamin yeah, whatever, from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day, you know, I've got all of this, this, uh, uh, all this teaching that I've had, all this impartation I've had into my life, man, I excelled in Judaism. He says this, I counted all dung. You know what dung is? That's just basically, you know what it is, all right? It's nothing. It's, it's, it's the waste. It's what's left after the cow and the horse goes by. You understand what I'm saying? Paul was saying, that's what I count all of that as. I'm absolutely nothing. And he said this, it's not anything that I could do. I want to be not found righteous in my own righteousness. I want to be found righteous in the righteousness that he gives. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen. And again, God does this because he doesn't want any flesh to glory in his presence. Now turn to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 19. <clears throat> we see in this chapter the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Pastor Joshua shared some on this, uh, again, five or six weeks ago. But I'm going I'm to give it just a little different twist this morning because I want to share some things he didn't have time to really point out. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing it with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So I want you to see that there's a... There's a types uh, that we see here with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, first of all, he is a type of fivefold ministry. Whenever you study the life of Elijah, Elijah just all of a sudden shows up. There's no history of where he comes from. There's no kind of indication of uh, other than the fact that God anointed him and he was a prophet. That's it. That's all you know about Elijah. And so there's no real history, no real background for him whatsoever. So Elijah, he is a type of the fivefold ministry that God raises up within the body of Christ. On the other hand, Elisha is a type of those that are anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. It's amazing how often we have made everything about the fivefold ministry when understand this. It is not about the five-fold ministry. It's not about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You have to understand those ministries serve one purpose, and that is this, to equip the ordinary man, the ordinary believer, to be extraordinary and do mighty exploits in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, God's design, hear this, is that in the seats they're doing more than the ones that are actually occupying the pulpits. So Elijah comes forth and he sets the example and does miracles, signs, and wonders. But he throws his mantle upon Elisha and he gives him an invitation. 
You know what? You got to recognize the invitation whenever God shows up in your life. And may I say this, that I believe to every single person that is here under the sound of my voice today that there is an invitation of the Holy Ghost today. And God is bidding you to a place of extraordinary living. He's bidding you to come up a little higher. You don't have to live on a low level any longer. There's a higher level that God has for you. You don't have to be behind a pulpit to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You don't have to have an audience in order to lay hands on people and minister deliverance to them. You don't have, are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have to have a Facebook page or a Facebook following in order to do the works of Jesus and do greater works than what he even did. See, we've made it all about this whenever God makes it about you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not about how many apostles can we rise, raise up in the church or how many prophets. Nothing wrong with that. We need apostles, amen? We need prophets. And by the way, prophets need a lot of training also. Do you realize that the stronger the anointing and the mightier the anointing, the more the parameters have to be in order for that to function as a life-giving ministry? I could take a little, you know, nine volt battery and I could throw it to Gil and he could throw it back to me. I could throw it to Harvey. Harvey could throw it back to me. You know what? We could even, have you ever done that? Put a battery on your tongue, a nine volt, you know, you ever done that? Anybody ever done that? I haven't, but has anybody here ever done that? I've seen people do that. Garrett, you done that? You haven't done that. Praise the Lord. Smart man. All right. Any, have you done, we've all done it. Well, no, I haven't done it, but you understand. If I know the battery's dead, I might do it. <laughs> But you do that to see if the battery has any power. Now, doing that will not kill you, right? As a matter of fact, you can put that on your tongue and leave it for a while. And you could drain the battery out, but it won't kill you. But can I tell you, if you grab a hold of 220, that'll kill you. And that's the reason we can throw a battery around, but we don't throw 220 wires around. Are y'all following what I'm saying? You, you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing and has been trained in order to handle 220 or even 110. You know what? We got a lot of prophets today that are handling 110 and 220 and have got no training whatsoever. And it's like they're throwing stuff around and they're killing people many times. Well, that was said. Yes, I said it. Praise the Lord. We need to be trained. They need to understand there are principles that you must operate in. There are truths in the Word of God. And just because you have an anointing to do something doesn't mean that you don't need some training on how to use it properly. Right? See, and that's what happens with Elijah. Elijah throws his mantle upon Elisha. Elisha recognizes there's an invitation. There's an invitation happening right now. You know what? There's a lot of people... I'm just departing from my notes. There's a lot of people that don't recognize the invitation whenever God shows up and he gives them an invitation. Elisha, because you know, the reality is, just think about this for just a moment. If I came by and just threw my coat on somebody, they, most people wouldn't know what's going on, right? If somebody threw their coat on me, I would go, hey, you dropped your coat, right? And then I'm sure that Elisha could have very easily said, hey, Hey, you, you dropped your coat. But hear this, Elisha was sensitive. He was sensitive to what the Lord wanted to do in his life. And hear this, if you don't respond correct to the invitation, you can forfeit your greatness. 
If you don't respond correctly to the invitation of the Holy Spirit, you can end up forfeiting what God wants to do within your life. And hear this, when I'm talking about what God wants to do within your life, I'm not talking about preaching. I'm not talking about teaching. I'm not talking necessarily about standing on a platform. I'm talking about what God wants to do within your life where you live every single day. For some of you, it may be in the business room, but you hear this, God wants to make you an extraordinary businessman. And by the way, if you're an employee, God wants to make you an extraordinary employee. Right? And if, you, if you're in the military, God wants to make you the best and cause you to even rise and have promotion there. Amen? And God will do that. We've seen it happen over and over. So we see a, speak, a picture, I want you to get this, of a spiritual father, Elijah, giving an invitation to a future spiritual son to move from ordinary to extraordinary. Elijah began to reproduce himself in Elisha. And that is a picture of the role of fivefold ministry in the church. And it's also a picture of what God has designed for fathers and sons and how they are to operate. Hear this, if we're not interested in the next generation, my friend, we don't have the heart of God. If we're not interested in the next generation, we have lost sight of the vision that God has. Because hear this, one generation cannot get the job done. What it actually says there over there in Malachi 4 is that I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. I'll send Elijah. See, there's this type. Once again, I'm sending Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Hear this. Won't you please get a hold of this. One generation can't reverse the curse. But you know what? Two generations, are you following this? Fathers and sons operating and working together. There is a curse reversing power that God begins to release when generations begin to work together. I want everybody to hear this. And for you that are the youth, and thank God for all of our youth, and thank God for Pastor Garrett and Becca and all of those, uh, all the other ones that work within our youth. Understand this. The design of God, the design of God is not that you just come and go to a youth service. The design of God is that you be an integral part operating and functioning within the local church. Amen? That means our kids, I'm expecting the teenagers to be up here in the choir. And by the way, we already have them up here. We have kids that are already playing. You know what? I started playing my horn. I started playing my trumpet whenever I was in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade and I started playing my trumpet in church. You know where music ministry began for me? It's not whenever I got hired at the church. Music ministry began for me whenever I got my trumpet and I was 12 years old and I got up there and I started playing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I was faithful to play my trumpet. I couldn't wait to go to church because I got to play my trumpet. You got to understand, I love to play my trumpet. And I played it all the time. I drove my mom and dad crazy. They finally took, we had a, a concrete pad that daddy had, had actually poured out there to play basketball. It's 20 foot by 20 foot. He said, enough's enough. And he erected a practice room for me all from the house. I'm not lying. That's the truth. You know, when I'd get out there, I'd play all day long. I'd play till my lip was bleeding. I'd play till I couldn't play anymore. I love to play. I practice all the time. But hear this, music ministry, my ministry that I'm functioning in even today, even as pastoring, it didn't start when all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, they need a pastor somewhere. By the way, we didn't start that way anyway. But the reality is, it, uh, you know, it wasn't like, well, this is a good vocation. It started whenever I was 12 years old. It started whenever I was just faithful playing the trumpet on Sunday morning. Can I tell you? 
there's some people up here that may one day be pastors. They may be playing the saxophone right now. They may be playing the trombone right now. But you know, one day they may be prophesying. One day they may be preaching and declaring the word of the Lord. God will take somebody ordinary and make something extraordinary out of their lives. Amen? We have to embrace this next generation. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was a little disappointed this morning. I told all of them. I told them on Wednesday night. I said, y'all need to be up here. There was over 100 of them. I don't know, where, where are you at? I'm, I'm about to start on Sunday morning. I'm going to go back there and drag you out of your seat and get you up here. Yeah, daddy's about to do that, I'm telling you. Are y'all still with me? Y'all don't get back. By the way, you young adult leaders, y'all need to be up here. Y'all need, I know some of you are on the platform, but you need to be up here. And you need to make worship a priority within your life. You know what? When it's a dancing song, you get your feet to moving. James Brown, do what? Michael Jackson, whatever. You need to get to moving and praising and worshiping God. Amen? Y'all still love me? Well, you know, I do that at youth service, you know, because... All of our kids, you know, we're kind of all the same age, you know. Understand this. First of all, please hear how I say this. Really, in the spirit, there, are, there is no age in the spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, there, 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 we understand and we recognize, but at the same time in the spirit, you're just as born again as I'm born again. I just got more experience and more wisdom because of the roads that I've traveled down. You following what I'm saying? And I know that there are spiritual fathers and sons, and 1 John talks about that. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you an engraved invitation to get up here and begin to worship God. Amen. Look at somebody said, Pastor said it. So he said, I'm going to send Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers. Why is, why is God doing that? We see the picture of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, he actually performs 14 different miracles. Elisha, he turns around and does 28 miracles. Double the amount that Elijah did. So I hear this. Elisha is a, is a type of the common man. Let me say it another way. Elisha is a type of those who are sitting in the pews. Elijah is a type of those who are called to fivefold ministry. So understand this. The kingdom of God always works with this principle. It is God's design, it is God's plan that the next generation outruns the previous generation. That's always been God's plan. So that means this, you've got to become something extraordinary. Castle, you've got to become something extraordinary. God's designed it that way. Cameron, you've got to come, become something extraordinary, amen? And more than just building muscles, I'm talking about spiritual muscles, Amen? And, you know, I could call some of these other folks. Keith, God's designed for you and Becca to become something extraordinary. Amen? Garrett, you're going to be something extraordinary. Hallelujah. God's designed this next generation to outrun all of us. And by the way, I thank God, and I'm, again, I'm not beating myself on the chest. There's a lot of wonderful things that God has allowed me to see, allowed me to experience, a lot of wonderful things God's done through me, God's done in me. But hear this, my desire is that my sons and my spiritual sons do more, outrun me, get on my shoulders so that you can see farther than what I could see and begin to outrun and do more than what I had ever did. Amen? 
And that should be the heart cry of every person within this church. For you that have children, if you're honestly, that should be your heart cry for your even natural children. I know when my daddy, uh, whenever I was real young, my daddy worked for Pepsi Cola. And he, uh, this was hard work, really hard work. Cliff, you will probably remember whenever my dad worked for Pepsi Cola. And I can remember being 10 years old and daddy would come in and, you know, anytime they would get a new soft drink, he would kind of bring it home. I remember when Mountain Dew first came out. Yeah, does anybody remember when Mountain Dew first came out? Does anybody remember the bottle that came out with the hillbillies on there? Do you remember that? And the slogan was, it'll tickle your inners. Look it up online, you'll find it. It'll tickle your inners. And I remember that bottle. And I remember the first time daddy brought that home. And he opened up one. <sighs> Instant addiction. <laughs> I loved Mountain Dew. As it was my favorite soft drink. Give me a Mountain Dew. And, uh, but anyway, uh, but when I was growing up, I was going somewhere with this. I wanted to be a Pepsi Cola man. That's what daddy was. He was a Pepsi Cola man. And you know what? Usually sons want to be like their dads. They want to be like their fathers. I wanted to be a Pepsi Cola man. I can't wait. <laughs> and then when I got a little bit older, a teenager, by the way, daddy was saying the whole time, son, I don't want you to be a Pepsi Cola man. I believe God has something better for you. He didn't say it in those exact words, but he, did, he was saying the same thing. I don't want you to be a Pepsi Cola man. I, I, I want you to do something better than that. And so anyway, and then I, I guess I was about 13 or 14 and he would take me on the truck every now and then. And then I started having to do some of the work. And all of a sudden, Pepsi Cola man didn't look too good. <laughs> he knew exactly what, it, what was needed in order to cure me from that and make me set my aspirations a little bit higher. And so anyway, we, very, very interesting. I, it was heavy work, very heavy work. But this is the thing I'm trying to get at. My dad, my father, wanted me to excel and do something greater than what he did. I'm not saying, that's not a throw off on that vocation. Does everybody understand? Not throwing off on that vocation whatsoever. I'm just saying he wanted something greater for me. And hear this, every father should want something greater for their sons. Hear this, every spiritual father should want something greater for their sons and their daughters. You know what? We have a dearth of fatherhood actually in the body of Christ. Not only just in the natural, but we have a dearth of it in the actual, in the body of Christ. We got fathers that want to use their sons and their backs of their sons as their platform. And hear this, God never designed the backs of sons to be the platform for fathers. God designed the shoulders of the fathers to be that which the sons begin to stand on and begin to look that there's a greater day. There's something greater that God has for them. Are y'all getting anything out of this? No, I'm not over yet. Praise the Lord. So there are four principles that, real quickly, that Elisha practices. And if you practice this, I'm telling you, God will, God will take you to a place of being extraordinary. Number one, he acknowledges and responds to the invitation. Elijah, excuse me, Elisha recognized that Elijah throwing his mantle on him, on him was an invitation to greatness. See, God leads us by invitation, not manipulation. The way the world leads, the way the world, what we call strong leaders many times are those who are controlling and who are manipulative. And understand this, God's way of leadership is not through control and manipulation. 
God's way of leadership is through invitation and an open door and opportunity. So there's invitation to an opportunity. You don't have to be just like that anymore. I've got something extraordinary. It's right here. I'm not manipulating you. I'm just giving you an opportunity for something greater than what you're living in right now. And that's the way that God leads. God doesn't take the whip out and say, you better get in there. You better, you better get in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you. Okay? He's not the, the gray-haired man, so to speak, sitting on his you know, front porch just waiting for somebody to step into his yard, and then he's going to shoot at them or hit them with a baseball bat. No, the Father always, he gives you an invitation. He says, come up a little higher. Come up a little higher. What you've been doing has been good, but you know what? I got something better for you. Here, I'm throwing my mantle upon you right now. Can you respond correctly? Elisha responded appropriately. He didn't say, oh, I think you dropped something. No, he recognized. You know what? I hear something. There's something that happened to me the moment that the invitation came. There was something that drew me in. There was an invitation of the Spirit. And he recognized, you got to recognize the invitation that God gives to you. you got to recognize that God wants to lead you into something greater. He doesn't want to drive you there. He wants to lead you there. Right? He wants to draw you in to what he has for you. Amen? we got to be sensitive to God's leading. Understand, God doesn't usually shout at you. He doesn't normally shout at you. He's not normally screaming at you, you better go do this. No, he whispers. It's the still small voice where God begins to lead us and gently nudge us into that. So number one, he acknowledges and he responds to the invitation. How many of you say, I'm going to respond correctly to the invitation that God's giving me? Amen. Number two is he leaves the old that tied him to ordinary. He leaves the old that tied him to ordinary. Hear this. You've got to be willing to leave the way of the flesh and embrace the way of the spirit. What Elisha literally does is he burns the bridges. He takes his old life, his, what, was, what represented ordinary, and he said, I'm burning that. I'm, I'm, I'm slaughtering the oxen, and I'm taking actually of the plow and that which was used as farm equipment, and I'm going to make an altar out of it, and I'm going to set it on fire. And by that, I'm actually going to offer up a sacrifice even of the oxen. So we see him actually burning the bridges behind him. Listen, whenever you begin to pursue the Lord and what God has for you, you have to make a decision that I'm burning the bridges behind me. I'm not going back. Look at somebody say, I'm not going back. You know, so many people always kind of leave this kind of a escape hatch. You know what? Well, I'm going to try what the Lord has for a little while. I'm going to try doing it God's way. But I got my escape hatch over here, the old way of the flesh. And my friend, you got to make sure that you just go ahead and destroy the escape hatch and say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. And praise the Lord. I know if I'll do it your way, you're going to bless me on the other side. Amen. You got to leave the old way of thinking. You got to leave the old way of believing. You got to leave that which was yesterday. And you have to begin to embrace what God has for you today. You got to leave the old and everything that ties you to that which is ordinary. By the way, for some of you, it may be there may have been some friendships that are unholy alliances that you've got to break and you've got to cut off. 
Amen. I'm not telling you to go through and destroy all your relationships and don't have friends or anything like that. But what I'm saying, if there's something that's keeping you tied to your past and something that's keeping you tied to what, that which is ordinary, you got to say, you know what? I've got to move on into what God has for me. The third, third thing is this. He serves the previous generation. You can never lead until you, first of all, learn how to serve. Those who attempt to lead, having never served, become carnal in their leadership, and they resort to manipulation and control, and they become nothing but dictators. I've experienced it before. I remember early in our, our ministry, I had served under several pastors, and neither, neither of them, actually, all, I won't name names, and I'll tell you, even tell you when, but I will tell you this, none of them had actually served under anybody else. They had never spent time actually serving a, let me tell you, say it this way. For every David, there's going to be a Saul. And you got to learn how to serve like David under Saul if you're ever going to be a great leader. You got to learn when to keep your mouth shut and just say, yes, sir, and keep on going. Even whenever there may be things in your emotions that are hurt, maybe things that are said that hurt you, but you say, you know what? I've got to stay where God said stay. He may be throwing javelins at me right now, but you know what? I'm going to stay where God said to stay. And I know if I do that, God's going to exalt me and God's going to promote me on the other side. Amen. I've had to do that. I won't go into all the details, but you know, I've had to do that. I've, I've experienced the javelins. How many of you have experienced some javelins before? Anybody here experienced any javelins before? Praise the Lord. Have you, have you experienced it? Right? Garrett, you weren't raising your hands. I'll make sure I get mine out this week. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Everybody's had some javelins thrown at them. How many of you appreciate Garrett? You know, I'm just, listen, if I didn't know... If we didn't have a good relationship, I wouldn't joke with him like that. But, you know, and he's doing an absolutely awesome job. We appreciate him so much and everything that he's doing in our youth. Amen? But this is the reality is you've got to learn how to be able to handle some javelins thrown at you and be able to dodge, right? Dodge, duck, and whatever it was anyway. We just went over everybody's head. But anyway, you know, you have to be able to dodge the javelins, and keep a good attitude, keep the right heart, keep the right spirit, even whenever it seems like, well, man, that really hurt me. So many people today are forfeiting the destiny that God has for them and the purpose that God has because something is said to them and they get offended and they end up separating from the people that God has attached them with. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you, gotta, you have to be willing to serve the previous generations. Elisha was a faithful servant. He was the water boy serving up high-quality H2O. You know, whenever you think about the game of football, how many of you watched some football yesterday? Do you watch football? You know, as you're watching football, you know, every football has the water boys, right? And the water boy is not necessarily an envious position. I want to be the water boy. Nobody's jumping up and down. You know, that, I want to be the quarterback. I want to be the running back. You know, I want to be the linebacker. I want to be the cornerback. You know, they want to be on the field playing. Nobody wants to just, I just want to be the water boy. And that's basically what Elisha is. The only thing that is said about Elisha is that he pours water on the hands of Elijah. Ten years, let me say it another way. Ten years he's sitting the bench. Ten years he's doing nothing but pouring water. 
Ten years, he's just serving. You need some more water? You need more water? Elijah, you need more water? Here's some more water. You need more water? You need your feet washing? Here's some water. You need, you need a drink? Here's some water. I'm just here. I'm serving you, and I'm bringing you water. You know, you got to be willing to keep bringing water until it's time for God to move you into something greater. But I'm telling you this, if you'll be faithful serving water, God will do something extraordinary through your life. If you'll be faithful in the ordinary right now, God will do something extraordinary later on. Amen? So he's faithful. The water boy is usually the person that couldn't make the team. Elisha, just serving water, but God's faithful with him. This is the last principle, is he sticks and stays. Elisha refused to leave Elijah even when encouraged to do so. If you read the text, you'll find that Elisha keeps saying, just stay here. And Elijah says, surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And so he follows him to the next place. Just stay right here, Elisha. No, surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave. Because you know what? I plan on getting a double portion of your anointing. I know in order for me to get to move into the extraordinary measure, I've got to stick and stay. Can you look at somebody and say, stick and stay? You know, for some people, that means this. You need to find a job and stay with it, right? And you keep on working that job, and you strive to be the best that you could be with whatever your hand finds to do. And if you'll learn to just stick and stay, I'm telling you, there is a blessing that God begins to release within your life. When you're doing what he told you to do, I'm telling you, God releases a blessing. So many people today quit when presented with any adversity. Something adverse happens, I'm quitting, you know? Learn to stay where God plants you. Don't be a fair-weather friend. And by the way, don't be a fair-weather church member either. Had Elisha left Elijah, even being encouraged by Elijah, Elisha still refused to relieve him. But if he would have left him, he would have forfeited the anointing. He would have forfeited the call. He would have forfeited the extraordinary. So you gotta make a decision. I am gonna stick and stay. I'm gonna do what God told me to do. And I'm telling you on the other end, you're gonna see God's blessing and you'll see the escalation come forth within your life. Can you stand to your feet this morning? How many of you have received something from this today? See, we've got to move into this place of extraordinary. God wants us to move into it. But you know what, one of the things that we have to realize is everything we see written in the Old Testament, it's there for our example. But you see the principles that Elisha practice, those principles aren't written just so that we can read about them, it's so that it can be active within our lives. Because whenever we begin to activate that within our own lives, it begins to bring forth the blessing of God. How many of you want to move into a place of extraordinary, where God does something extraordinary in your life? Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. We just thank you, Lord, today that you're moving your people into a place of extraordinary. Lord, we're moving from ordinary to extraordinary. We're, we're moving from natural to supernatural. We're moving from a place of limitation to a place where we serve an unlimited God. We thank you, Lord God, for that which you're declaring and that which you're speaking and that which you're saying over your people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.